the shooters touch. Can't nobody shoot like me. Fourth quarter down three, need a two and one. Better call on me, better call on me. If you know you need a shooter, I'm ice cold like a cooler. Get you right though, I can tutor. This that mic flow, I'm a hooper. I got blue faces on. What's up, shooters? Welcome to another episode of the Shooters Touch. I'm Brian Claude, as always, joined by my co host, Adam V. Adam, what's going on? Hey, Brian. Best time of year, March. State tournament time here in Iowa. NCAA tournament coming up and uh, conference tournaments have already started. So I uh, uh, love the time and uh, have a great guest this week. Absolutely. If you're listening to this podcast, I think you think the same. March is the best time of year. Um, I know our guest does. I'm excited about this episode. We're excited about all of our episodes, but uh, we bring Kevin O'Hare on today. And I, I think of Kevin is like your favorite dive bar, your, your favorite restaurant that maybe not everybody knows. It's kind of when you know, you know, and if you, if you're, in the basketball scene here in Central Iowa, you know Kevin. You've crossed paths with him. He's just a total basketball guy and just a lot of fun to talk to. Yeah, very interesting story as well. Um, has been the freshman freshman coach at West Des Moines Dowling for over 20 years. Has over 300 wins as a freshman coach and has a tie to the game of basketball through mostly personal training, you know, outside of coaching. Um, he he coached or trained people like Caitlin Clark, who is currently at Iowa, along with many other people over the over the years he's been in Des Moines. So super interesting story, super fun to talk to, excited about this episode. Absolutely. With that, let's, let's jump right in. Kevin's got a fun story. We have fun back and forth. And so we appreciate you guys listening. Wherever you get your podcast, make sure you drop a five-star. Let's get into it. Kevin O'Hare, here we go. Well, as promised, listeners, here's Kevin O'Hare. Welcome to the Shooter's Touch, Kevin. Thanks, Adam and Brian. I am uh, super excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, we're excited to hear your story. We want to jump into it here um, quickly. But before we get to that, how are things going? Uh, crazy times right now, specifically. It is, it's cold as shit out there, but um, we have a <laughs> pandemic. We got all this stuff going on. How, how are you holding up? Um, how are things going on your end? I'm good. Things are going well here. Uh, working from home, have been since March, and uh, coaching basketball on the side, and that's going well. It's, uh, it's different, but uh, everybody's adapted, and uh, we're finishing up our high school season here in this next week, and uh, so far, so good. Yeah, it's um, obviously, like Brian said, and everybody knows, kind of different times, but uh, it's, it's awesome that you know, we're coming up on state tournament time, coming up on playoff time for high school hoops here in Iowa, um, and an awesome time for, for all who, who, who had, especially now, um, you know, when there was the, uh, you know, that, that brief stint where there was no basketball. So, um, excited about that, but let's maybe jump into here, Kevin, let's start at the beginning. Uh, where'd you grow up? What was childhood like, you know, um, you know, sports you played. And then obviously when did, uh, when did basketball come in and you really knew that basketball was the way? Yeah, uh, so I was born in Omaha and lived there until I was about 10. So I'm a diehard Husker uh, for all those Iowa and Iowa State fans who are mad at me right now. And you and you and I Panthers. Uh, So moved to Des Moines when I was 10. And uh, fifth grade is probably for me was a big, I would say, when I really focused on basketball and wanted and knew right then and there that's something that I wanted to do. Uh, So. I'm the oldest of four, mom and dad, everybody's here in Des Moines. Everybody's uh, doing well. I went to Dowling High School, graduated there in 96, and then went over to St. Ambrose University in the Quad Cities and played basketball there and had a great four-year run there and some of the best times of my life, as most of our college years are. 
and uh, got into business management and economics kind of in the corporate world and always wanted to still be involved in basketball. So uh, the Dowling coach back in the day was one of my coaches. And so he hired me on right when I graduated college and fast forward, this is year 20 of coaching high school basketball. So a little bit about me. That's awesome. That's awesome. So maybe let's, um, let's uh, hop back to high school here. Let's talk about some of the teams you had. I mean, obviously Dowling, um, you know, recently has had, has had really good football success. You know, they've, they've had good basketball teams here and there. Um, what were your teams like, um, you know, from freshman all the, all the way up to senior year? Yeah. So, uh, freshman year, uh, funny story, I guess, so to speak, I was on a C team as a freshman, we had a, B and C and, uh, obviously not happy with the coach's decision at the time, but you got two choices, right? You can get better or you can get better. And, uh, so I just worked really hard at it. And our freshman group was, you know, I wouldn't say we were 15 and seven or so. And then got an opportunity to start as a sophomore after a lot of work and maybe some luck and some other things along the way. And uh, had a really good sophomore year and then uh, played varsity my junior and senior year. And we uh, we went to state my senior year. And obviously I've heard some of the podcasts and stuff and listening to Horner and all the Mason City talk and uh, you know, we ran into, uh, Oliver, Dean Oliver and Brant Harriman. And they had, they had three or four other just great players, uh, yeah. Heston, Steve Hess, big guy in the middle too. And so we made a quick coffee stop at, well, uh, at veterans Memorial auditorium against them. And, uh, I think it was 82 to 65, uh, lost to them. And I, I want to say we held Dean to 15 or 17, and unfortunately they had three or four other studs and everybody got about 15 or 17 and uh it was a quick stay but we had a really good group of guys uh i would say five to seven of the guys went on and played one sport or another in college and uh really good group that's awesome yeah and you know we've obviously talked about that team multiple times here on the pod um what would you say if i asked you from your freshman year to your sophomore year was it overall improvement? Was there just a couple things you worked on that you had to improve? Um, what did you say to that question? You know, a good question. I would just say, and all like work ethic. Like I, I realized that if I wanted to go from a team that had 30 kids to a team that was going to have 15, I was going to have to put in a lot of time. And, uh, you know, I played baseball and soccer growing up and through high school as well. But, you know, as I tell my guys today, there's 24 hours in a day and what you do with yours is on you. And, so I just had to find some time, whether it be morning or night, and, and get my shots in and my ball handling and all that stuff. But I put in a lot of work uh, because I loved it. You know, I was passionate about it. Didn't have all the gadgets that kids have these days or the distractions, so to speak. So it was pretty easy to go out, hit the pavement, and, and go to work. And uh, so I, I, would, I would honestly say it was just work ethic and, and, and wanting to do something and wanting to get somewhere really badly the, to put the time in to do it. And that would be my answer. Yeah. And that's awesome to hear. I mean, you know, we, we hear stories all the time, you know, talk to people all the time where, you know, you're, you're on the C team as a freshman and there are a lot of people that a lot of kids that would give up because of that and, and not play anymore. Um, and on top of that, you hear, you know, you, you hear these stories all the time of, of really good college players, NBA players that didn't, didn't really become good at basketball till they're 15 or 16. So, I mean, you know, the fact that you, the fact that you stuck with it, you know, I think is a, is a, is a great story and a great, I mean, a tribute to your, to your high school career. No, and I appreciate that. Not to go down a rabbit hole, but you see, you know, the high schools and the college kids, you see transfer portals left and right. And 
and stuff like that, where at the end of the day, whatever happened to just outworking somebody and uh, stuff like that. And I, I think a lot of kids, they move on to other sports or they don't put the time into something. And if you really were to stick with it or, or, or do the work that you need to, I think people would be surprised and kids would be surprised at how well they uh, elevate or climb the ladder compared to maybe some other people rather than just say, hey, the easy way out, I can go over here and play or, or whatever. Yeah, and that's exactly right. I mean, you, I mean, I think about my freshman year, sophomore year of high school. I mean, the improvements that 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 I made just because of the fact that you're growing into your body, you know, you you learn the high school game a little bit more. And so, you, you know, like I, I said a couple of times, pretty awesome story there, Kevin. Um, and thanks for sharing that. What, um, what, I, what was your game like? I mean, I've played against you. Brian's played against you after college. So we know what your game was like, but, but in, but in high school score, were you um, a distributor? Did you do it all? I would say a little bit of do it all, but in a very poor man's voice. Uh, you know, I, I, I was, a, I was a shooter uh, who, who could handle the ball. Um, you know, I, 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 13 points a game my senior year in high school. So nothing crazy. Uh, I was, I think, the fourth leading scorer on the team. We had a, a really good group of guys. But, uh, yeah, take care of, you know, I'm 5'11 at best. And take care of the ball, facilitate, uh, you know, be a, a quote-unquote bulldog on defense and, and keep guys in front of you. And when you're that size or whatever, you got to be really good at, you know, I think, shooting the ball, taking care of the ball, and playing good defense because your athleticism or lack of, uh, you know, it, it'll get the best of you if you're not doing what I would think are the simple things a 5'10", 5'11 guard needs to be able to do. We can, uh, we can all appreciate uh, the shooter in here, that's for sure, <laughs> especially on here. Um, all right, so graduate, and then St. Ambrose, uh, you, you said you had, a, you had a really good four years there. Walk, walk us through that. Um, what were those four years like? Yeah, so, you know, going into St. Ambrose, my first semester, I, I thought I was better than I was. I, I go over there and, uh, you know, you walk into kids from Chicago on the team and Milwaukee and, you know, all over. And you realize really quick that there's a lot of good basketball around. And at Christmas point, I was making that decision. Do I want to go to another school that was looking at me where I thought I could play or do I stick it out? And I remember calling home and uh having a conversation with dad and at that point it's stick it out and see what happens and uh it was the best decision I'd ever made you know not necessarily from a basketball standpoint but just from the kids that you make the relate the kids you meet the relationships you build and the bigger picture type stuff uh but yeah so we ended up so my freshman year uh I would I was the third string point guard uh and then started to climb that ladder with each year and, you know, we went to the national tournament three out of four years. Uh, unfortunately, we got bounced the first round of all three of those. Uh, had some really good players from Chicago and uh, Iowa on the team. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was, again, the best experience those four years of my life. Uh, I, I started to, you know, every year they're recruiting new players, as you guys know. And so you always think you're going to get your chance and it's going to be your team and blah, blah, blah. And, before you know it, here comes the next Juco kid or here comes the next prodigy out of wherever. And you're, you're fighting every year to not only maintain your spot, but to try and get more minutes here and there. And so those minutes continued to, gradu continued to uh, gradually increase with each year. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I was a facilitator point guard in college, 
who would knock down shots when they were there. You know, I was a six, seven point scorer at Ambrose. Uh, nothing exciting. I, I would consider myself maybe more of a glue guy and just kind of a facilitator type player, coach on the, on the bench, coach on the team or coach on the floor at times, if that makes sense. Uh, so yeah, as much as I tell everybody how amazing I was and am, uh, <laughs> there's probably not a whole lot of truth to it. <laughs> and then, and then, you know, we, we talked about, we've all played in our adult life with each other and in all honesty, that's when I got like really better. It was crazy. You know, you go play in these adult leagues and you travel and whatever. And I, I don't know if you just learn more things along the way or whatnot, but uh, my best basketball years were probably 22 to 32. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was I, honestly, probably now you say that probably the same way. I feel like stuff just kind of slowed down after college. Uh, you know, you're playing against all those athletes in college and, you know, it's, it's just uh, a quicker pace. And that brings me to my next question. You know, I, I feel like the move from high school to college is, underestimated uh with a lot of kids um what would you say the biggest change was in your mind from you know moving from Dowling all the way to Ambrose you know it's definitely the bigger faster stronger and just the athleticism that you see from other uh states and kids that are coming from all over uh you know I I just remember going up against some really quick guards from Chicago that were on my team and I had to use the whole 10 second clock to get across to half court and you know, just the pressure they put on you and your pocket getting picked from behind or here or there. And, uh, it happened regularly and, uh, it was probably good for me at the end of the day. Uh, so, so yeah, the athleticism was, it was next level. And, and you talk about, you know, the, the levels of basketball, you know, I think kids, you obviously played very high level, uh, kids would be so lucky to go to, you know, Grandview, Simpson, Central, St. Ambrose, wherever, uh, to play basketball. And all these kids, you know, if it's not Iowa, Iowa State, UNI, Drake, Duke, North Carolina, then why do it? And, you know, we take our team to watch Grandview play every year. Coach Schaefer does an unbelievable job there. and Or we'll take them to Simpson and Coach Bjork. Bjorken does a great job. And they'd be lucky, you know, to, to sniff the floor at some of these smaller schools. I just don't think kids understand how good basketball is. And then, obviously, to get to your level and even levels beyond, you just have to be a really special player, I think. I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, it's something where, um, you know, even the division three level, uh, it's, it's a huge step up. And you mentioned, I mean, just from athletes, you get to the point where now everyone was the best player on their team. But, uh, you know, one of the biggest transitions I think is just in practice. I mean, the fact that you're competing at a high level every day in practice against the best kids, you know, that you weren't doing, you know, in high school, obviously a little different for you in the CIML, but, uh, I think that transition into practice is just eye opening for kids. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, your your second five is as good as the starting five anywhere else, or your third five for that matter at college. There's there's no days off at practice, and not that there were in high school, but you you could maybe pick and choose a little bit your moments. Where in college, you'll get exposed really quickly, you'll get embarrassed really quickly, and you'll find a seat next to coach pretty darn quickly. Maybe uh, compared to when you were younger. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting on how it goes. And to your point about playing um, city league and and the game kind of growing and developing, I think that comes with a level of maturity. You, you know, like you mentioned, we kind of all all feel like we're the man in high school. Same thing in college, and then finally you start to be like, you know what? There's I have some serious deficiencies in my game. If I just stay away from those and I just do what I'm good at, now all of a sudden it's like, man, this game, this nothing to this game. 
Right. And that's what I tell the guys all the time. Like quit trying to be somebody you're not quit trying to do things that you're not stick to what you're good at work on your deficiencies in the off season. And, uh, but yeah, when it comes time to, to practice and play, like there's no, if you can't go behind your back, don't do it. And if you can't, if you're not a three point shooter, don't do it. And, uh, so yeah, to touch on what you just said, I couldn't agree more. So speaking of this after college, uh, I heard a story, got uh, one sent over to us about maybe a trip out to Vegas where you guys uh, um, maybe came home with a big championship. Can you say, what's the deal with that? What can I tell? Let's see. What, what can I say? Um, no. Uh, yeah. So, and you guys would know a lot of these names and I'll, and I'll drop them real quick, but you know, the Chris Perrins, the Jason Andersons, the Jason Bowers, Andy Myers, my brothers, Ryan and Sean, uh, you know, Pete Eggers, big Mike O'Neill, the list goes on a couple others. Uh, you know, we, we were, we had a really good team at Aspen and we, we went through this league and once, if you won your league, you qualified to go to Las Vegas and play against eight to 10 other teams. And so of course we're just going out there for the visit and uh, we, we got lucky and we actually beat a team from a former Stanford players. Uh, and if I, we, you would have recognized the name 20 years ago and I don't have them now, obviously, but uh Again, just a bunch of guys from Iowa that knew how to play the game and knew who was supposed to do what and who should have got the ball and who should be distributed. And Chris Perrin, uh, if you know him, I think he's the all-time leading assist guy at Simpson, or at least he's right there. Uh, he would he would have been the, the ringleader to kind of get us going. And uh, long story short, yeah, we went out there and we won. I think we won, I don't know, $10,000. So everybody got $1,000. Nobody brought it back. I can assure you that. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, had a good 72-hour trip to Las Vegas, won whatever that tournament was called, and won some spending money along the way. And, yeah, it was it, a good time. It sounds like it's like the original TBT or something. <laughs> right, the TBT before it, uh, before it started. Uh, yeah, we, we all thought it was, a, you know, a fluke thing. Like, they flew you out there, they put you up, and we were just waiting to get Ashton Kutcher to come out and punk us. And... <laughs> The whole thing uh, went off without a hitch, and it was uh, a really cool deal. I heard uh, part of the part of the winning too was they also threw a celebration in your guys' <laughs> honor, but that maybe didn't go quite like you envisioned in your head. No, and I, and I don't know. I I can't wait to hear where these stories came from. But uh, yeah, so <laughs> they had like this elaborate Vegas party, foam party, as you as you would say it, and. We went there and, you know, we thought we were big deals and stuff like that. I'm not even sure there were many people there. Uh, it was basically us in, a, in our own room, in our own party, and uh, nonetheless, a really good time. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what we heard. You guys showed up for the big celebration, and it was a team celebration. Just, it was a team, yeah. And maybe that's where the whole punk, punk thing should have happened, uh, getting punked. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it, we, we thought we were walking into 500 people and – celebrities and whatnot and needless to say was far from it no that's great that's uh that's a good story so um so obviously you mentioned you you, you kind of hooked into dowling right away um out of school but uh how did how did kind of the whole professional you know you had your time you went and um like you said enjoyed your time at college obviously met some some great friends and some guys and continued to play a little bit uh here in the local scene but then how did you start to do the player development stuff um, and get into the coaching and ultimately, you know, stay hooked in with Dowling for as long as you have? Yeah. So again, my Joe Cadage was my coach back in the day and he had offered myself and best friend Joe Capola an opportunity to coach there and basketball is something I always wanted to 
you know, continue doing. Uh, and I didn't know I'd be doing it 20 years later, of course, but just the, the ability to work with kids and be in the game and, you know, stay young and all that stuff ha has been something that's continued to grow for me and something that I love. Uh, and, and about that time, I started to get into kind of some personal training and some workouts and nothing crazy by any means. And it was never to do anything or whatever. It, it was just kids would reach out and say, Hey, you have time to work. Our parents would reach out. Do you have time to work with my son or daughter? And, and I loved it. So uh, I started doing that and it kind of grew a little bit on its own. It helps when you work with some players that maybe end up doing something with their careers. Uh, and, and again, these kids are doing things with their careers, whether it's me, my mom or dad or sister working with them. They're that good, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, so when you see some some of the kids, you know, they go on to different levels or they do certain things, then I think, you know, maybe your, your name gets out there a little bit, but by no means is it based on anything you do and more of what they do and kids or parents uh, see that maybe. And so it, it grows some legs that way. Uh, and I've been blessed to work out with a lot of good kids and uh, from all over different schools and stuff like that. But for me personally, I just, I just love the game. I love working with kids. Uh, I love seeing kids grow and learn from mistakes and just get better and it's a lot of fun to be around it's funny i've mentioned it several times on the pod too from going from a player then into the coach's seat um one of my favorite things about coaching is the player development side um it's part of what intrigues me so much about your story and what you're doing too but um it's it's funny how when you're a player you're like all right friday night let's go like who do we have who are we playing and then from the coach's uh, side of thing it's like ah. Oh, I can't wait for Monday's practice. Like I wish that we didn't have a game Tuesday so we could practice Tuesday and Wednesday. And it's like, all you look forward to is practice because you want to see these kids grow. You want to implement your plan. You want to see them achieve things more than wins and losses. And it sounds like that's a big part of what you do as well. Yeah, hundred percent. And the weather recently has kept us from practicing a lot. And it's just become game by game by and the kids love it. And I can't stop complaining to them and telling them, guys, we're not getting better just playing these games. And I know it's super fun for you guys. Uh, but, yeah, the, the practice time it, and just being around the kids and the atmosphere, as you guys know, it just in building that chemistry and camaraderie with one another and everything that comes into play. I understand the game is the ultimate reward, so to speak, for the kids. But, uh, yeah, the practices are, are definitely something that I look forward to and am excited about where – back in the day it was it was flipped for sure so with the with these workouts how do you kind of um how do you wait I know obviously every player is different um skill level grade level um but like when you're doing your development did, did they set the focus or is it something like hey he really needs to work on his ball handling or we want to improve her shot or or how do, how do you kind of take the approach uh, in the you know the first couple stages of working out a, a new athlete yeah, so I'll set the workout. It's a workout that, I, that I've had that I change a little bit from here to here based on uh, age of kid, development of the kid, and stuff like that. But I'll always ask the parents or the kid, you know, give me some strengths, give me some weaknesses, especially if I'm not familiar with them. Uh, we'll tie that stuff into it. But in all honesty, it's, it's workout that I set up years and years ago that I've kind of stole some, some things from other people, um, as I think most coaches do, uh, you know, or, 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 you know, Drew Hanlon is a, is a professional trainer, a guy that I kind of follow. And so, yeah, so I'm taking little things from here and there from other people and implement, implementing them into some things that we do. And, uh, 
yeah, you know, you dumb it down for those that uh, are younger and struggle a little bit, and then you can ramp it up a little bit based on who, who the person is and their skill set. Well, ramping it up, obviously one of the uh, athletes that you had was uh, Caitlin Clark, and uh, we've we've oh. seen her 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 progression um, and what she's doing now at Iowa, which is is, is pretty incredible. And so, well, what was that experience like? Obviously, that's that's kind of uh, uh, give the keys and get out of the way a little bit, but uh, but how did how did you help uh, her continue to grow? No, you hit the head on the nose. Here's the keys. Just try not to screw it up. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Caitlin, you know, I've known her for years and her brother, both brothers have played for me, Blake and Colin, and then her cousin, Audrey Faber. Uh, we started working out before Audrey went into college and then Audrey kind of had a, you know, a really good career at Creighton. And uh, she ended up, I, I, I want to say fifth on the all-time Creighton list. And so, you know, I think again, that, that helped, me maybe work with Caitlin a little bit right like their cousins their family they see some things and so maybe there's some success there but not to kid anybody I think you know Caitlin Clark's Caitlin Clark because of who she is and I I don't care who you put in my place or for that matter she's gonna do what she does because she's that good uh now like you said don't screw it up uh so we go through these workouts and uh she's just super committed I mean she's you know, she was playing baseball with boys at 10 and people have probably heard stories. She's playing on all boy basketball teams when she's 10, 11 and 12 and all that stuff that probably helped kind of mold her to the person she is. And, uh, you know, you, you, you see, her. if you don't know her, then, then there's times where you see her on a floor and, you know, you might want to strangle her at times. And I tell her this all the time, but if you know her, there's not a better person and she's just super competitive which a lot of people would call a flaw or a negative towards her when they see her. Uh, when you're on her team, it's the best thing in the world. And when you're not, you're, you're probably in trouble and you're, you're not going to like what you see sometimes or things like that. But uh, just a, a completely driven person, next level. Uh, you know, she'll, she'll work out with me or whomever, and then she'll go take three hours off and then she'll go do another one on her own. And, you know, she'll, she'll lose a game in the substate finals and say hey let's meet at nine o'clock that night and go through where i mean like so it's all driven by her and just who who she is and who she wants to be and uh she's a she's a self-proclaimed or not proclaimed she's a just a self-made person she's that good yeah it comes back to kind of what you're talking about with your story too is there's got to be that self-motivation and that drive i mean it's the old you can lead a horse to water type of situation in the game of basketball and we've all been there we've seen that we've seen the talent coming out of kids and uh it's almost becoming more rare that someone actually utilizes that talent and is able to maximize uh their skills and it definitely seems like uh she's on on the right path and and things have been have been going really well for her and she's been fun to watch yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree. You know, they, she has that mentality, you know, and again, you can, you know, I, I always talk about like Kobe and Michael and guys from our generation or whatever they, you know, and you, you think about football, Ray Lewis and uh, Ed Reed type mentality, like they're, they're out to kill you, you know, not literally, but they're out to destroy you or whatever. And if, if you have that, you're going to go a long way. I think if you can back it with your work ethic and she has that, uh, you know, she's going to miss 10 shots in a row. You know, the next five are going up. Uh, it's, it's who she is. She's, if you put in the work, like we kind of talk about with kids and nothing that you guys don't know, but if you put in the work, then you build your, you build your confidence from that. And so, you know, what you've done and you've put years and years in it. So nothing's really going to phase you as you get 
as you get older. It's, it's those that struggle with confidence or getting better that only play two days a week and you have nothing to fall back on or nothing to rely on because you didn't do what you were supposed to. Uh, and so you got people like her and others that when they do it seven days a week, uh, nothing's really going to phase them because they know they're going to screw up at times. They know they're going to go through slumps, but at the same time, they've, they've seen what they've done. They know what they've done and they'll, they'll get out of it. And I think basketball is unique in that way that uh, obviously it takes athletes. Um, the, some of the, uh, you know, I always say the best athletes in the world are playing basketball, but you know, at different levels, you'll see it. You'll see a really great athlete who maybe picks things up really quickly or just quicker, faster, stronger than everybody. But there becomes a point in your career when all of a sudden now the skills kind of start to become even more important. You need a little balance. You need the athleticism. You need to be able to do both. But, uh, you know, and, and to, to the transfer portal and stuff we talked about earlier, it's all, all of a sudden things get a little tough and the, the skills aren't there. It's pretty easy to go, well, I'm super athletic. Watch this. I'm going to go play football. I'm going to go, you know, play volleyball, whatever it is. Um, and so that's where basketball is unique because it, it is an overnight success. You got to put the time in. Yeah. Nope. And, and I couldn't agree more. We talk with our kids, you know, daily and, you know, the three of us growing up, we didn't have all these distractions. We didn't have whatever it was go to work, go to a park, go to a driveway, go to whatever. We didn't maybe necessarily have the, the cool gym facilities or whatever. Nowadays, kids, it's movies, it's, it's Instagram, it's spend time on your phone, it's go to the pool, it's go whatever. And then they get mad when we're not drawing plays for them come season or, or they get mad when they're not in a lineup that they think they should be in uh, when they need to understand that, again, you can go be a kid. Like no one wants to take that away from you, but you got to make sure you put in the work to get to where you want to be if you want all this success. And I, I think kids lose out on that a little bit because of maybe the society or the culture we're in and everything that's going on. And you got to make some sacrifice. And I don't think enough of them do that. Um, so that's something that we talk about regularly and you hope it, it connects with a few. Yeah, having a 13-year-old at home, uh, prioritizing uh, what, what uh, is most important. There, like you said, there's 24 hours in a day, and I'm not saying that you can't TikTok for an hour, but we, right. we, we can't be TikToking for three, you know? So. I love it. I love it. Right. <laughs> but, um, hey, so, so one thing I think that is so important, um, obviously I was a head varsity coach at one time, and I just cherished my lower-level coaches. Um, you know, you try to, again, you try to kind of give them some guidance, but then kind of stay out of the way and let them let them do their own things and kind of build their own confidence. And so having you in your position uh, as a freshman coach has got to be huge for, for the Dowling program. Like you said, um, what, 20 years now? And we have, uh, truth, truth or not, we have you at over 200 victories at the freshman level. And so it uh, has been fun for you and pretty exciting. And uh, I definitely would assume that uh, O'Connor and the rest of the staff really appreciate having you around. Yeah, I think they do too. You know, he and, you know, Coach Wagner and Coach Nehas, I mean, they, they do such a great job. I mean, OC, I don't think people, under, you know, they don't, un, they think it's just easy. I think, I think outside world people just think that coaching and maybe at his level is easy. And he puts in so much time on top of his regular job as assistant AD and stuff. But I mean, the, the scouting, the film watching, the, you know, just monitoring players. And I mean, there's so much that goes into that day to day. And, and he's been there, I want to say, 14 or 15 years and done a tremendous job uh, with everything that goes on in day to day stuff. And uh, but no, so, I, so I'm lucky just to be on the staff there and, and be a part of the journey. And, uh, you know, 
Coach Ankenius and Coach Combs. I mean, I got to drop these names now. These, these people are going to yell at me. But Coach Ankenius and Combs on the sophomore level do a fantastic job. And then, of course, my assistants, Dreckman and Heatherton, do a great job. So really excited to be a part of it. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I agree with what uh, O'Connor's done. It's been it's been pretty special to watch and uh, having interacted with him a little bit. When I first got to the area and was going to grad school at Drake, um, I actually got recruited into the to the youth program and um, went to the coaching clinic and got all the information uh, in which that they were trying to do. And it was super neat. I was uh, super impressed with with the process that he had, the involvement that he had. Um, unfortunately, Horner won my services and I ended up going over and uh, taking the rival position across the way at Valley. Um, but uh, always, always had just the most up respect for Mike and, and what he's been able to do. And in what uh, obviously the CIML, it's like you mentioned, it's a lot of work. It's 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 like having on your own college program. So you just said what I was exactly going to say. I mean, you look at so it is high school basketball is, is closer to college than people think, just like college basketball is close to NBA and a job, as you can imagine. And uh, yeah, I mean, we won't talk about you going to Valley and Horner. That's, that was, that was clearly one of your biggest regrets in life, but that's beside the point. Uh, no. Yeah. So he does a great job. I and mean, again, we had, you, you think about the guys that come through, you know, you had Omaha for a year you got all these, you know, Ruit was there for a couple of years and, and great guys. Uh, and, you know, Riggs has been there forever and doing things. And then there's kids that have come and come through the program that are just as highly regarded and stuff like that, Sam and Goalie and so on and so forth. Uh, there's just a lot to juggle uh, in a high school season compared to what people might think. And to, to kind of go back to it is you don't want to say it's a job because these are high school kids. Uh, so it's not. But at the same time, it, it's it's portrayed that way a little bit because of how much time you got to put in, whether you're a coach or a player and all the things you got to, I mean, kids are showing up 30 minutes to an hour early to, to watch film or to get shots in or to whatever, uh, staying late for the same reasons. And again, at the end of the day, you're, you know, you're there three hours before you realize it or, or longer, depending on what level you're at. And uh, everybody that is involved in whatever high school sports, I mean, they put in a ton of time and it should be known that, that they do. Well, and I think one of the uphill battles too, is obviously Dowling wants to win at everything they do, but uh, the fact remains that it's a football school. And so you don't always have um, maybe the guys most specific or uh, focused on basketball. And so, so you're trying to put together a baseball player, um, a football player who are probably going to go play D one super competitive, but don't have the time or maybe the skills and trying to find a way to weave them in with the kid who has put in the time in the summer, who's a true basketball player. And I think that's one of the unique things about the CMI CIML, but specifically at Dowling as well. Yeah. You know, and so coach Wilson, who's our football coach and AD over there, I'm not just going to say this because I hope he hears it and gives me a raise, but uh, <laughs> he does, he does a really good job. And obviously we've won seven in a row prior to last year. So seven out of the last eight, but he would be, you know, at the top of the list of people who want multi-sport athletes who, you know, created a weight program for our kids when he, when he came over way back when, and it's not just for football players. I mean, it doesn't soccer, basketball, baseball track, the list goes on and on. Uh, you know, the speed and agility that's set up over there two mornings a week, along with the, the, the weightlifting three days a week. Uh, but again, it, it, it all stems from him and him wanting multi-sport athletes. I mean, they, 
they try to get basketball players to play football. We try to get football players to play basketball uh, because of all the things that we think it will help within each program, uh, you know, hand-eye coordination, footwork, you know, the list goes on and on. But, uh, no, he, he's, he's all for multi-sport athletes, and uh, he's done a fantastic job with our football program, and we're just trying to uh, get that basketball program right there with him. <laughs> Yeah. And we've talked to many coaches about that too, about, you know, multi-sport and, you know, essentially really specifying what, um, one sport that you want to play. Um, obviously positive and negatives to both, but, uh, it's good to hear that, you know, there's some, um, some collaboration between sports over there at Dowling. Um, one question that I have, and maybe, maybe some listeners do too, coach. Uh, so 20 years as a freshman coach, any, uh, any aspirations to have your own, have your own program? Uh, good question. Um, you know, if, if it ever presented itself, I would, uh, I would, you know, ha love to have a conversation, stuff like that. I would totally be open to it. Uh, you know, freshman basketball is, is something that I really love because again, I, I enjoy, you know, kind of getting them first, so to speak. And, you know, I don't want to say molding them, but steering them in a direction that I think is where basketball is going and where basketball should be and what they should be doing. It also allows me to work my job that uh, pays for my bills, uh, stuff like that. And, uh, but no, to answer your question, I, I would, I would 100% entertain uh, those, those ideas and questions that they ever presented themselves. It's a different, uh, and obviously Brian can speak to this and many of the coaches we've talked to too. It's uh, you know, as a, as a head coach, there's a lot more responsibility, obviously. Um, and it's, uh, it, it's, uh, a switch you got to flip. I think, you know, you're, you're, you're in charge. You're the guy that time, but, uh, you know, obviously very, very impressive what you've done there, uh, with, with uh, the freshman team. And I mean, that win total has to be, uh, up there towards the top of the state in the, in the freshman basketball coaches. Well, that's just because no one's dumb enough to do it for 20 years, but, <laughs> but to get back to Brian, it's over 300, Brian. So we're going to quote oh. some stuff. Let's, let's, let's get it a little we, bit closer to where it is. Miss misinformation here on serious <laughs> touch. Our, our, our apologies. We'll have to, um, talk, to talk to our research team on that one. <laughs> uh, Brian, real quick. How long were you with Horner? I was with Horner actually just the one year I ended up, um, I, I coached the eighth grade team of Turner Scott, uh, oh, yeah. and, uh, Reardon and economists and, uh, Curry, we Curry played up as a seventh grader with us. And so, um, yeah, I coached those guys as eighth graders in his, uh, impact program. And so, so you guys, you guys went 50, you know, and you said, this is a good time to, uh, to yeah, bow out. I said, after, after collecting <laughs> plaques and medals everywhere we went, I was like, you know right. what, <laughs> maybe this is time to. But no, it was funny. So to talk about that and actually what it ended up being is then I ended up getting my, my, uh, I finished grad school at Drake and then got the head girls job up in Madrid. Um, and so to go from that group of boys and players, um, to a program who hadn't won a conference game in like four or five years was, was a transition in a, in a growing time for me as a coach. That's for sure. Right. Right. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, but, uh, yeah, no, good group, of, good group of guys. And obviously battled with, uh, with the, with the Dowling crew quite a bit. And, um, like I said, I had seen you and, um, experienced you guys from, from week to week at, at different tournaments. But, uh, I, I do have one other question now. Um, and I, hopefully our research team is on top of this one too, but, um, 
so with with Aspen now changing to Genesis, are you allowed back in, or how's this gonna? How's the transition work? So I'm I'm at Genesis. So I'm still with Genesis. I actually go to uh, I'm over at the Prairie Life location a lot now. The old Prairie Life, you guys remember that. Yep. Uh, my, you know, like you and your Valley eighth grade squad, uh, I haven't played basketball in a while. I, I went out on top. I'd like to think kind of a Brett Favre type thing. Uh, the last time I played was probably in a competitive, uh, you know, four or five years ago, my brother Sean tore his Achilles in the game. And uh, I said, hey, let's go to the hospital. This is a good time for you to get that looked at and for me to say it's been real. <laughs> Well, we're right there with you, both Adam and I. I always, I said 35 is retirement, and it's like I, I, I don't even think I made it. I think I got just six months short, and I was like, you know what? I, because in that Achilles is the one. That's the one where I was like, uh, uh-uh. uh, like I need to be. I got four kids at home. I got a job that I'm always going. Like I need to be able to walk and move. It's just not working. Right, right. I'm with you. Adam's probably still playing and putting up 30, but. <laughs> Nope. I'm in the same boat guys. Retired, retired a couple of years ago. I, I for sure did not make it to age 35. Yeah, no. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm unlike you guys. When you, when you go top of the key to top of the key, you can play a few years longer. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's what I said. Like trying to find those, uh, find those deficiencies and uh, anything inside 19.9 is not, uh, is not where I need to be. So there's, there's nothing for me down there. Nope. You're right. <laughs> well, Coach, uh, we like to uh, end our, our episodes uh, with a little section called Rapid Fire. Brian's going to hit you with a couple of questions, some related to basketball, some not. Just let us know what comes to the top of your head. Sounds good. All right. So I'm, I'm super interested about it. You, it sounds like you've listened to the pod, so you kind of know what the first question is coming. And you, you actually end up playing in quite a few auxiliary gyms, I would assume. But regardless of that, I want to know what's your favorite visiting gym? So Dowling's got great facilities over there, but when you go on the road, where do you like to coach at? Okay. Um, wow. That's a good, so, so I I like Johnston, uh, who, who we just played and we play again for this reason. They, you guys would be amazed at the freshman level. And again, COVID's put a little damper on things, but, uh, they, they bring a student section that is insane year in and year out. And, they even snuck some in last last time we played over there. So I got to talk to somebody because COVID wasn't supposed to allow that. But who doesn't like that type of atmosphere if you're if you're a coach or a player or stuff like that? And so Johnson's a lot of fun to play at. Oh, that's a good one. I, I, I'm leading that way. Obviously, that's where my kids go. So um, who's the uh, greatest player of all time? Michael Jordan, hands down. No question. I figured that was your answer, but I also got to ask, there's a 55 in the email address. We have any, any Jason Williams vibes or what's the deal with 55? hundred percent. So when I went to St. Ambrose, <laughs> I was one of two freshmen to play on the varsity. And unfortunately I got stuck with one of the last couple numbers to choose from and 55 was one of them. And uh, it helped that Jay will was, was doing his thing. So I, I took it and I kept it and there you have it. There you go. I love it. Respect. I wore 52 um in my senior year of high school for two reasons one they ended up giving my normal 20 jersey sample to a distributor to be able to make another jersey but for two because they came with the biggest shorts and so i was like give me that 52 <laughs> and, and real quick and i hate to turn this because i know it's rapid fire but you talked about greatest player of all time and obviously you got lebron and you got kobe and i'd like to just throw this out there real quick to 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 put an end to, to put an end to this let's just call it that if there's two seconds left on the game on the clock and you're down one, whose ball do you want 
whose hands do you want the ball to be in? And A, it's Michael, B, it's Kobe, and then we'll give it to LeBron. Like, if, if you can't be the best basketball player in the world if we're not going to put the ball in your hands with three seconds or less. Or less. That's a good point. That's a good super, point. super fair argument. And then uh, on the flip side, the argument for LeBron is always going to be, well, he can guard all five positions. He can play all five positions, right? I don't, I don't, think, you could, I don't think LeBron could guard Steph Curry, though. I think Steph Curry would put him on a spin cycle, and it would be funny. Yeah, especially now. Uh, 30, 30, what, six? How old LeBron now? Yeah, 35-year-old, yeah, 36-year-old LeBron? Yeah. Definitely not. He's my, and he's my he's my number three. I love him. Like we're talking about tomato tomato at this point. But at the end of the day, I want the ball in Michael, then Kobe, then I'll let LeBron have it. There you go. Well, good points. Speaking of, speaking of those three, we have a good lineup of uh, uh, signature shoes. But do you have a favorite all time favorite basketball shoe? Yeah, and I wouldn't. It was uh, it was the Jordans, um, and I couldn't tell you. Uh, and funny thing is, I, Charles Barkley had one back in the day that I really liked too. Uh, uh, it was a high top. It was gray. Uh, it's so those Bar- Hold on. Those Barclays, though, from from a from a guard perspective who needs some foot speed, those Barclays weren't cutting it. Those <laughs> no, no, they weren't. It was an all black shoe. Now that I think about it, and it was the look at that point. It's looks like I mean, yeah. I'm slow as it is. I mean, these shoes can't make me too much slower, I'm hoping. <laughs> so it, it was looks at that point. That's great. What was the Jordan? Do you remember? Is it? Uh, it was the. It was, I, I can describe it. It's got the, the black around the side and it's white. Uh, no, you would think, you would think I would know better, but I, I don't know which Jordan it was. Oh, given, given the era, I'm guessing it's probably the, maybe the 12, 11 or the 12, 11, the ones that uh, would have been like 96, 97-ish is when he would have had them. So. I, I want to say the 11 as well. I think you're right there. Yeah. Yeah. So classic. Can't go wrong with either one of those. So, no. um, what about uh, you got a favorite band or artist uh, that you enjoy or that when you're working out is, is kind of an easy layup to go to? Uh, you know, so I kind of grew up in the hip hop era, you know, whether it was Biggie and Tupac and uh, stuff like that. So I, I, when I'm running or working out, it's, it's some type of rap. But if I want to go to a concert, I want to go see, God, I'm going to just destroy myself here. I'm going to go see a little Justin Timberlake, maybe, guys. I want to see a little Coldplay, a little Ed Sheeran. Okay. I'm into that. I like it. Those, yeah. That's a good lineup. That's, that's diversified right there. So, right. Right. Um, next one. I'm hoping, uh, I, I'm hoping you can help me out with this and maybe you are, maybe you aren't, but uh, so it's best popcorn in the CIML and or best concession stand in the CIML. So uh, Dowling has the best popcorn and okay. the best concession stand by far. It's not even <laughs> close. Um, but if I had to pick, an alternative spot, I would say, oh boy. Um, I would say, I would say Valley. I would say Valley. Okay. Got to give them something, right? If that's what, right, right. give them the second best give popcorn them, in the just league. Give them right? the second best popcorn. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, that's great. All right. So we got, uh, we got, we got you, we got Ryan, we got Sean one-on-one round Robin. Uh, who's who's coming out right now? If we went and, and we played it, we gave you a, a six minute warm up, and you guys had to go. Who who's gonna win? Well, I would, and uh, <laughs> you guys knew that probably before you asked it, but <laughs> they know it too, which is even funnier. Uh, so Sean Sean would be the competition. I mean, Sean can still play or whatever, and Ryan's never been necessarily a player per se. You know, he's he's a defensive guy. You know, he's 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 really good on defense, but he's gonna kill you on offense. You know, he's 
when you're dating a girl, guys, they say, is she really pretty? And they say, no, she's nice. Uh, so that, that that's Ryan, guys. Like, he's not a great basketball player, but he's really good on defense. Oh, that's great. That's, uh... so, it, so, it, so it goes Kevin, Sean, Ryan. In that, yep. And, in that and to be honest, it goes Kevin, Sean, my sister Kelly, Ryan. <laughs> that's great. Sounds like fighting words. I like it. Um, who's got the best pizza in Des Moines? Oh, we just had this conversation the other day. And I'm, uh, you know, so at Tavern, we'll go okay. Tavern. Yeah. And I used to love mustards, if you guys ever remember yeah. back in the, but yeah, uh, so I'll, I'll say Tavern. That's good. That's good. We got, seems like new ones popping up that try to try to run for the belt every once in a while. But uh, I don't know. It's uh, the Tavern's definitely been a staple. So that's a good one. Um, all right. Last one we like to get you out on. Um, what is, what's the best thing about getting the opportunity to, be a basketball coach uh again being around the game uh impacting kids lives uh, again the the game is one thing but kids are going to go on and move on to bigger and better things and you know building relationships with those kids and you know having them come back or just having them be around your program and continue those uh relationships there's nothing better uh seeing kids struggle at one point maybe November, December, the light comes on January and February and, and they start to smile and figure things out. That's really cool. So just to be a part of all that and be along for the journey. Yeah, that's a, that's a good answer. I, I always say that I think basketball is kind of just a vehicle to get us to form these relationships and connect with people. Um, obviously it's how the three of us are able to connect and have such a good conversation today and um, how I think we could all talk about some of the best friendships we have or started on the court. And so, Kevin, we appreciate you, man, jumping on with us and, and, and having a chat and taking some time and uh, uh, sharing some fun stories with us. And so real quick, if you guys, real quick, just to leave you with a fun story, uh, I was talking to Caitlin the other day and I was telling her about a podcast I might be on. And, you know, she gets a ton of these accolades and whatnot. So it's time to throw her under the bus, I think. And so I told her, you know, your name might come up, thoughts on that. And she goes, what's the podcast? And I go, it's Shooter's Touch. She goes, there's probably not a lot of people that listen to that. So you can say whatever you want, O'Hare. So guys, so I mean, I think, I, so I put her in her place. Don't, don't worry, guys. And so again, I, I feel like she gets all these accolades. She knew I was going to kind of come down on her a little bit today. So she was trying to be a funny college girl. Uh, and so I don't think she understands uh, how great this podcast is. And uh, so I just wanted to jab at her there and let you guys know you guys do a really good job and uh by far are way better than the underdog moonlighter thing going on over there with flattery <laughs> i love it man those are uh well thank you we appreciate that and you, you know what i'll say is we're not the biggest podcast but i promise you we're not the smallest either so <laughs> no you guys, you guys are you guys do a great job uh i think it's fantastic uh you know just if you're not able to listen to them like on the spot being able to go back, you know, again, to work out and stuff like that. I was just listening to Kenyon's the other day and uh, no, I, you guys do a fantastic job. I love them and uh, keep it going. You guys do awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. And thanks for your time. Like Brian said, we really appreciate it. It was, it was great to talk to you again. Um, been a couple of years since we've been on the court together. So it was fun to, uh, it was fun to connect with you as well. So, um, and to our listeners, you know, uh, as usual, we really appreciate you. If you like what you hear, uh, five-star rating would be great wherever you catch your podcast and catch us on social media on Facebook search, search the shooters touch Twitter and Instagram at shooters touch IA and our website shooters touch and as usual shooters shoot
Had to bounce back, cause I'm right in my mind Hustling harder than ever before Saying I change cause I like when I shine The diamonds ain't different like Mike and his prime I got the shooters touch Can't nobody ball like me